This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello everybody, welcome to the Broadcast Podcast. We're bringing you a new season of the podcast where we're going to be talking about leadership. Uh, we're calling this season Unleashing Leadership because the, the idea that we want to get across is within all of our churches, there's more leadership capacity than we're currently tapping into. So we want to have some conversations about how we bring through leaders into the life of our church and so multiply our ministry through doing that. And I've got with me a couple of members of the broadcast team who are going to be getting into a conversation about that this morning. So uh, we've got Beth. Um, how are you doing, Hi, Beth? I'm good. Yeah. How are you doing, Tom? Very well. And also Tim. How are you doing, Tim? I'm very well, Tom. Thank you. Great. So today we're going to bring you an idea that we talk about a lot at Christchurch Manchester uh, that we call the high bar and the low bar for leadership. And uh, in a minute, I'll explain what we mean by that. But I thought a good start might be just to talk about our own journeys into leadership and how we first got to have a go at leading stuff. So, uh, Beth, w- would you kick us off and just tell us for you? Uh, I know you uh, have a leadership role within uh, Fallowfield Congregation at the moment. Um, but was that your first opportunity to lead in church? And how did you first get drawn into having responsibility and being able to have a go? Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think back now then to now you say that. I So when I was about 12, me and my family moved to the Lake District to be part of a church plant there. And anyone who's planted a church knows that you are on five different rotors. <laughs> the whole family, every family member gets a rotor basically. Um, and so from quite a young age, um, my, my dad led the church plant when we first arrived and from my young age, I could see him, you know, showing what the leadership role looked like, but it was very much like a, a family affair of, I think my dad would preach my mum would do worship. I was doing words at the back and there was an element of, um, we all have our role to play in church. And while I, I wasn't a 12 year old leading the church plant, it, there was an element of kind of being part of uh, the vision of the church just from a rotor that almost had a leadership quality to it, I think, in a sense of just being hands on and involved. Um, so from a young age, I've been very stuck in with church. But in terms of Manchester here, um, just in the last few months, really, um, I've started leading alongside uh, a couple, Stephen and Abby, um, at one of our morning meetings, uh, which is kind of 20s and students based. Um, and it was something that, yeah, I never anticipated really kind of stepping into. And then Tim approached me um, and just, yeah, asked me about it. And I thought, oh, I'll give that a go, okay. Let's, um, and I think it, obviously it's a very like learning on the job thing, but I think from growing up in settings where everyone mucked in and everyone got involved, it felt like almost an extension of that really, in a sense. So, um, so yeah, that's my experience. Right? <laughs> yeah, so before Tim asked you to do that, mm. tell us a little bit about like your experience with CCM. Mm. You haven't been part of the church for like decades, mm. you, you came, was it just before the first lockdown that you joined? And like, yeah. what's church life looked like for you up to that point of then getting invited to lead a bit more? So yeah, I joined the church uh, maybe like a year before COVID. Um, and my experience up until being asked to be part of leadership was very much just um, being part of community groups, um, being on a rotor for a couple of things. 
Um, I loved having people over at my house. That was something that's something to, I just really, really enjoy and building community in that way. So um, yeah, often doing meals or I did this thing called pasta night a bit over the summer where we stopped community groups and I would just have people over for pasta because pasta's dead cheap. Um, and that was like an anyone's welcome kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that I was kind of involved with church, but not, um, yeah, not, not in the leadership capacity at the time. Great. And how about you, Tim? What's the story for yourself? Um, was it Birmingham that you first got an opportunity to, to lead? Or? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so the church I was at in Birmingham, we ran the student work, um, me and Vicky and my wife, in our spare time. Um, we had kind of normal jobs and did that in our spare time, um, which we, that was our first kind of step in. Mm. Um, we loved it, loved the age group. Um, and yeah, so that that was our first go until we moved to Manchester. Yeah. How did that come about that you got the opportunity to do that? Were you asked if you kind of build the work yourself or take it on? Or... In Birmingham? Yeah. Um, it, it existed there already. There was student work, a pretty good one, like had about 20 or 30 students, I think. And uh, I think they were looking for volunteers and we got involved. And as we got involved, the there was a, one of the senior leaders of the church um, he kind of vouched for me effectively or vouched for us and said I think Tim and Vicky should run this I think they should run it and uh, effectively people trusted them to let on to him to let us do it so it was uh, I, you know I, I was a fairly obnoxious mouthy um, young man and uh, I, I think yeah if it wasn't for him I probably wouldn't have got to do it so he kind of stood up for me to find a way through for me to, to be able to do it yeah yeah, that resonates quite closely with my own story as well. Um, down in Norwich was my first opportunity to lead, and there was a member of the staff team of the church that I was at um, called Dave Thornton, who uh, he drew me onto his youth ministry team, then uh, started um, pushing my name forward to be given opportunities to do something in main services and, uh, and, and to preach and to have leadership opportunities, and then um, he's the one who then encouraged me to to look for work in uh, full-time church ministry like that was the kind of context I was in at the time where you'd apply for a job and go to a church to do a job um, but it's interesting isn't it that for all of us the way in was through somebody inviting us in somebody mm. being willing to take a chance on us and say yeah I'd like you to do this and setting us up into it and what I wanted to look at a bit today was how we do that, when we do that, what does it look like to see more people brought through into leadership. And when we talk about the low bar and the high bar, really what we're, we're trying to say is this, we want to make it as easy as possible for someone who hasn't led before to get to have a go. So there are lots of barriers that could be in the way that might make us say, no, that person shouldn't do it. We want to tear down some of those barriers and make it a quite accessible thing. So lots of people get to try leading. That's what we mean by the low bar. Mm. When we talk about the high bar is we want people to get really, really good at leading. So we don't just want it to be the standards low so leadership will happen in a really rubbish way. That's not what we're trying to do. We want to get people to, to good. So that's mm. what we mean by the high bar. And I think it was Colin who uh, once observed that a lot of churches that he's seen don't have a low bar for entry. They don't have a high bar for aspiration. They just have one bar that's in the middle, which makes it really 
tricky for people to get to start because you need to have quite a lot behind you before you get mm. to do anything. And then once you've started doing it, you just stay at the level you're at and you stagnate and um, it, it's not particularly healthy. So uh, for us, we talk about it all the time, the low bar and the high bar as how we want to develop leaders here at CCM. Um, I just want to start on the low bar and Tim, I'm going to throw it to you first if that's all right. But when, when you think about the low bar, what does that mean for you in, in practice in how you do ministry? Mm. It's, uh, I love this talking about the low bar because it makes you talk about how rubbish you were and <laughs> still given opportunities, which is always humiliating. Um, but I, I think, I mean, you're absolutely right. And it's interesting, the churches that have that kind of middle bar, they often think they have a high standard of excellence. <laughs> That's what they want to get to. Uh, but in reality, it's not. It's just they, they struggle to bring people through. So even as you, all of our stories are somebody inviting us into something. Um, and so I guess it's the... For me, it was um, when I moved to Manchester, Colin offering me opportunities to do things before he really knew me particularly well. And some people might, you, you might kind of react against that and think, oh, well, that's, that can't be right. But actually, it was an opportunity for him to get to know me as a, to fight, because I had the appetite, wanted to do stuff. So he gave me opportunities very quickly. Um, and so, I mean, we landed in the city in the July of 2009. Uh, which we got to know Colin a bit over the year of having before we moved up and but most of the church didn't know who we were particularly and Colin didn't really know us particularly uh, and we'd started by saying oh we'll we'll just live in the city for a year learn about the city and then we'll start the following year and I remember him just saying just find a venue Tim and let's start another church so we just then I just spent hours walking up and down the Curry Mile and Fallowfield looking for a cheap venue. Um, but actually that was, it. so it was a very low bar, really. Tim has the appetite. We have no idea what level of gifting or ability or maturity he has, all of those things. Let's just do the first step. And it was a low bar because actually there wasn't a great deal of loss to be had there. So you can think, oh, we plant a church. If it goes wrong, that's terrible. But actually there was, I didn't have any people to upset. Nobody in that church, the CCM as it was at the time, really was going to come with us so any team we had to make we had to find because nobody lived around there so it in a funny way it was it was a very low bar which was quite high risk but without that much loss mm. so that was my mm. first step i think yeah that's really interesting isn't it like that a lot of people think that what we do in our multiplayer model means that we're making a lot of risky steps mm. was Really, we're not making steps that would have that bigger downside to them. Is we'll, mm. we'll try it; it might work. If it doesn't work, yeah, there'll be a little bit of kind of regathering in yes. and uh, and so forth. But we're not betting the farm every yeah. time we try something. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Beth? What's been your experience at the low bar in terms of um, either for yourself coming through mm. or as you're looking to bring other people through? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I was allowed in, so. <laughs> <laughs> So it's interesting what you were just saying, Tim, because I think there's an element of um, this format of doing it. It kind of prevents pride from growing because, you, like you said, if it didn't work, we just stopped doing it. And yeah. that element of so often, I think, um, when I sometimes perceived leadership as I think pride can be a bit of a difficult issue of admitting, oh, it's not working or being like, oh, my numbers are less than his church or, you know, I think... Um, it's something that scarily pride can grow in but actually this format of being like you know what none of us are really qualified we're going in or you know you grow in um 
your qualification as you grow in the role, it kind of stops pride from from growing too much at the beginning. So I think that's a really good element of it. Um, yeah, no. So yeah, I'm kind of coming in with very little experience and not really knowing what I'm doing, just knowing I love the church. It's um, it's good to kind of there not be that expectation as well of, um, you know, I guess there's the, it lifts the pressure as well of, of what you're doing and it means that you can just focus on the task at hand or focus on the people in front of you um, rather than kind of thinking, uh, yeah, I've got this big title that um, is now maybe overbearing and it's, it's uh, you know, prohibiting me from from being able to step into it or see that like this is a growing situation this is a growing role rather than I need to be immediately qualified the moment that I'm um, added into a leadership team yeah yeah I think it's really helpful I felt the same way both looking on my own journey and um, we, we do try and bring to a lot of people at CCM it's mm. a, a cultural value that we've got and uh, I've been reflecting a lot over years on the number of times when I've encountered churches or businesses or organisations that would say part of their ethos is the pursuit of excellence. Mm. And I know what they mean and it sounds good and I've come to really um, react against it whenever I hear it now mm. because whenever I think, okay, you're pursuing excellence, what does that mean then for empowerment? Like mm. if you're going after excellence, then does that mean that you've got the one person or the small number of people who embody what you see as excellence and then for anybody else there's no way in and they just mm. sit and spectate and, mm. and watch and we can be so enamored by a polished product that we don't want to take people on that journey of starting at the beginning where we all started right mm. uh, and anyone who whoever gets good at something starts by being pretty rubbish and then trying and then getting a bit better and then um, two steps forward, one step back, or I might just be speaking for myself here, but that's definitely been my journey. And then with that, you're figuring out, okay, I'm going to try this. Okay, that didn't quite work, so I've got a slightly different track. And we, we learn and we grow through all of that. Um, yeah, what, what are some of the things that you've noticed, maybe as you've been here in other churches or within CCM or people you encounter with, now, what are some of the reasons why you think people are reluctant to give people opportunities to lead? There's fear of mess mm -hmm. and uh, what that means. So there is a yeah a desire for, for things to be tidy and not confrontational, I suppose. Well, confrontational might be the wrong word, but, but letting somebody have a go at something, whether preaching or leading worship or planning a church or you know, any ministry in church, and it not going particularly well and then having to deal with that. Mm. Um, so there is a, a, a fear of that, I think, because actually it takes some effort to get somebody up to be able to be able to do something often. Mm. So I, I think that can be a bit preventative. Uh, and I think there's wrong viewers, views of what maturity is and mm. what a mature Christian is as well. So Yeah, elaborate on that. What, what's the um, outline of where you see that mistake being played out? I th yeah, I'm going to sit it out there after it's <laughs> defined. So I think there is a... So anybody that starts off in leadership starts with an idea of how they think they can lead and how good they are at it. So I did, uh, and that's partly why you're there. You think, I can lead, and I think I'll probably be quite good at it. And I'm planning a church because I suspect my church will be better than yours. So that for me, that's where I started. 
And it was only till I actually started doing that stuff that then maturity comes and you realize who you really are, what you're really good at, what you're not good at, and your place in the world. So to be think, so there's a, a, a desire for the finished product before you start, So, which I think is a wrong view of maturity. There's no s- scope for people to grow. So the low bar, the high bar is really, we're making it easy for people to develop and grow mm-hmm. in post, as opposed to yeah. we are waiting for you to turn up fully formed. So it's interesting when we're talking about our people invited us, like they're all people that saw something mm. Um, and they didn't see fully formed leaders. They saw something and think, okay, this person can can lead. Let's give them the opportunity. And I think our our Western view of leadership, perhaps affected by American kind of mega church CEO as pastor and highly gifted communicator, is is skewed away from somebody being able to learn and develop and grow. Sometimes over years, and sometimes it's not quick. And other people, it's quite rapid. So I think there's a that is what I mean by wrong view of maturity. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I think often, I guess, kind of leads into the have a go culture of CCM really that we have, don't, doesn't it? And it, that's something I've definitely noticed is um, I've found in the churches I've been is very unique to CCM, and one of the elements that I really love about it. Um, and a quote that David Devonish said that I say all the time is that if you're not um, if you're not experiencing, this is badly quoted, but if you're not experiencing, um, you know, um, kind of not great preaching or not great worship, then you're not bringing through new leaders and that. And I think there are elements of sometimes in a service you have to kind of slightly quench when someone's anchoring or, yeah. you know, when yeah. worship is going on and you're like, no, no, this is good, this is good, this is good. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I think there's, it's true, if we're just using the same shiny, you know, people, that are not shiny people, but people who are, have grown grown in those areas um then where are we seeing the growth um in the people who have the potential and um yeah i think that's something that that works really well with the have a go culture yeah i think beth's right i think there's we disciple each other in living in discomfort really mm-hmm. don't you and it is that knucklehead feeling on a sunday morning we're like oh my goodness <laughs> how is this going to play out and actually it doesn't happen too often in the reality of life does it mm. and like it was on Sunday morning something was happening and I was thinking oh gosh this why I would not be doing it like this mm. but then thinking actually it really doesn't matter very much but there mm. is that being discipled in the in the if we want to grow if we want to plant lots we want to see the kingdom advance mm. comfort and ease and sitting with the same group of leaders is not going to do those mm. things yeah. so mm. have to sit in the discomfort of it Mm, yeah, and that's for the congregation as well as us as mm, well. Yeah, actually. Mm. I think it really helps for us with the size of congregations that we have. Mm. So most of our congregations are roughly forty to sixty people on a mm. Sunday, and it helps because if you've got someone who's having a go at something with a low bar, let's say they they join the band and they're singing and um, they just hit a couple of notes off key, or um, they're preaching and it's a bit kind of rambly and doesn't quite go as you'd want it to go two-thirds of the room are friends with them and they know them and you tend to have grace for your friends and you cheer them on and if we had a different model let's say it was 300 in a room of which only 10 percent knew them Mm. most people are looking at something that's been presented and when it's been presented to you rather than you're engaging as a community together Mm. in general I, i i always come at that not deliberately but it's like the bar's higher the the grace that I have for it, mm. it is harder to summon up when it's 
as though I'm just there to watch something, mm. um, which I don't think a 300-person meeting go for the watching model, but it, mm. it's easy to lean into that, isn't yeah. it? Um, mm. So that definitely helps having a low bar when you're doing it in community and mm. uh, you're all championing one another and mm. trying to bring them through. Mm. It is interesting, like thinking about the like preaching is always a good example, but we try to train our preachers in our congregation to all understand it's a low bar, yeah. and so it's grace for each other. So if mm. a preacher gets up there and tells everybody off for something, then it's a reminder, look, actually, that group of people is doing you a favour by mm. kindly listening to you preach. <laughs> and, and actually, we get better at this over time, don't we? And, and at this point, you may not have the right to talk like that. So yes. there's that part of it as well. And also, it's a, with the congregation, it's helping them to realise that, you know, so sometimes someone will say something about a brand new preacher and be like, well, there's only like the third time they've done it. Mm. So just think about the context of that's the third time they've written that preach with a job as well mm. in life. Actually, that I'm not saying we let them get away with rubbish because we have a high bar, so, but mm. we're going to help them come through. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And the people that have a problem with the low bar are usually the ones that think they massively exceed the low bar, <laughs> yeah. which is rarely true. Mm. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've had conversations with people who have totally complained about the standards and they want everything to be up to notch, and so they've got against the low bar. Until the moment that I've tried to give them feedback and help them improve. And it's, no, 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 this is for other people that I want you to improve, but, yes. but not so much for me. And they, they can be that blindness, can't yes. they? But, yeah, yeah let, let's bring it on to the high bar then, because we, we've talked a lot. I think we all prize the idea of giving people space to, to try things and to have a go. Um, but what we really are not saying is that we're just going to lower the standard that we're looking for. Mm. we just realised that to get to the standard we want people start from where they're at and they go on a journey right so what does it look like um, Beth tell us about Fallowfield and what it looks like then to try and um, move people on in their journey so what are some of the things that, that we do that can help people get good at stuff um, yeah I think often well, what I found in my short period um, is um, offering people responsibility over things is um, a really great way to see them to see them grow um, and and step up. Um, so I think to like some a student group that we recently um, started who's overseeing offer like the new freshers that are coming in, and um, we've kind of given them a bit of responsibility in it and kind of given them a bit of um, a say in what we do and how we do it and uh, you know giving them tasks and seeing them step into that responsibility you I've seen um, I've seen individuals who maybe didn't have a lot of confidence at the front speak at the front or I've seen them go and uh, you know invite freshers to out for coffees and kind of just take that next step and I think um, when you when you offer someone that um, opportunity for responsibility or ownership over something often they will step up and um, or the ones that are fit or for growth in leadership will step up and the ones who don't necessarily um, uh, you know that isn't their calling as much they they won't and it's, so I think that kind of works as a um, a good a good like kind of tester basically mm -hmm. I think um, to see to see how things play out but um, 
Yeah, I'd say that that's in, in Fallowfield, that's what I've seen. Yeah, mm. that's really helpful. Yeah, and then okay, moving beyond one site into like across the church, there are other things that we have in place where really we're all about trying to develop people. Mm. So, uh, for example, Tim, you and Vicky have recently uh, developed a school, theology, a school of discipleship program mm. um, that's all about taking people on, isn't it? Do you want mm. to mention how that plays in? Mm, yeah, so we just wanted to cover the basics of what it is to follow Jesus um, and so do I think it's eight weeks so right, once it's a monthly thing and it's eight sessions that really to help people go along the journey of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and uh, looking at the basics of devotional life but also you know how you deal with crisis and kind of emotional health and those sorts of things as well so um, yeah so it is actually I'm saying it's basic we actually get quite deep onto some things um, but it is kind of a kind of a foundation sort of course, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and over the years we've developed other similar things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, school of theology. So we're not just throwing people and say with the teaching responsibility to to just go blind, but we're trying to equip. Uh, so we do a Saturday morning a month where we get really deep into some of what the Bible's talking about. Um, both of those things, the discipleship and the theology content, is available on broadcast as well, so you can check that out if you like. Um, I was talking with um, Dana, who heads up the worship um, last week, and uh, just about all that she's doing to equip the worship in sites, and she's put together a, a great course that um, just upskills people, mm-hmm. and she's getting around and she's looking at how people are leading, she's trying to sit with them, talk about what's going well, talk about what improvement and growth could look like and putting resources into their hands to do it and we've got similar things with our preachers where um, everyone who preaches at CCM gets someone looking at it giving them feedback on it so we really don't have static expectations for what people are doing we've built systems in play that can can help people grow and um, I'm sure other people have their own systems but um, chatting around with people, a lot of this seems, some of it's quite rare, I think, to have this kind of robust developmental system, um, which really is what I think of when I think of the high bar, that we're always looking to grow, and we're always looking to take people further and into the next steps. Um, and I think biblically, you've got that passage in Ephesians 4, haven't you, about um, God's given to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers. And I think a lot of people, when they read that, they think, great, God's given us gifted people, so let's utilise their gifts. So if someone's a gifted teacher, let's get them up teaching everybody. Or if someone's a gifted prophet, let's get them prophesying to the church. Mm. But what the verse actually says is that God's given those people to the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And, And so when someone's gifted... The number one question they should be asking is, how can I make it so that as a community we're all growing in this area? Um, a gifted prophet is someone who builds a prophetic community, and a gifted pastor is someone who empowers the community to be shepherding one another. And I, I love that we can build something where we, we are trying to make it so we're not a church with one or two prophets, one or two evangelists, one or two teachers who do the thing and everyone else and just runs along, but where all together we can be doing these things. Mm. Very good. Yeah. Cool. Any of you have further thoughts on 
high bar and low bar you want to bring out in this conversation? I think the high bar is never quite there. <laughs> so, so, you know, like I'm the most, one of the most senior leaders in the whole church, and I don't feel like I've hit the high bar. Um, so it, it's a kind of constant aspiration to grow, and mm. um, which sounds a bit relentless, but it doesn't feel like that because there's always people you're trying to walk it through with as well uh, and trying to bring new people through. So that was the yeah. only thing that popped into my head. Yeah. Mm. Anything for you, Beth? No, I think it's all been said. No. It's all been said. I think one of the dangling questions that this leads, because talking about a low bar could suggest that we just would grab anyone and everyone to mm. do stuff. In practice, that's not quite how it works. Um, there is a low bar, but also there are some real particular things that we're looking to see in people mm. that then we'd want to take them on the journey. So that's where we're going to be going next week, answering the question... Who is it then that gets to have a go at leading stuff? So, hey, if you've got any thoughts on that and want to interact with us, do reach out to us on our social media or uh, drop us a message uh, and we'd love to, to have you as part of the conversation. But keep well, everyone, and we will see you next time.